A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was Han. That's me. I'm the captain of this podcast, and I'm going to take you on a journey today with a guest of mine. Today's title suggests that this is a conversation with Sanj Kirshenen, a very special guest who I will bring in in just a minute. But before we jump into it, welcome to all of you who are new. Welcome to those of you who have been here before. This, of course, is a Star Wars podcast, and this is the podcast you're looking for. And I'm excited to be with you here today. We have tons of great topics and Star Wars news. And be sure, if you're watching on the YouTube, to subscribe so you never miss a video. And if you are listening on the audio platforms, be sure and follow, rate, and review. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And of course, if you want to support this show, there is a tipping option. Just go to streamelements.com slash first slash tip, where you can donate and send in a question or topic that we will use here on the podcast. You don't have to support, but if you do, we greatly appreciate it. But we'll read your questions regardless, so don't feel like you have to tip just to talk to me. And of course, check, it out, check us out on social media, at Han Talks First, everywhere. So my guest today, who I'm just meeting for the first time, so this will be a fun conversation for us to have. His name, like I said, is Sanj Krishnan. And he is a British screenwriter. So we have another screenwriter here on Han Talks First. He recently graduated from the screenwriting MFA program at UCLA's School of Theater, Film, and Television, where he was a BAFTA scholar. And inside Sanja's brain is a tug of war between a wide-eyed nerdy kid and a self-righteous lawyerly adult. And this manifests in fantasy, adventure, and dark comedy stories exploring colonialism, Depotism and other assorted isms, themes influenced by his time as a human rights barrister. So let me bring him in and everyone give a warm welcome to Mr. Sanj. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Han. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Like I, like I told our listeners, this is our first time meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, I recently discovered you from your YouTube channel, which is called Inclusive Magic. For those, I'll link it below if anyone wants to check it out. But I discovered him from some Star Wars videos he made. And we'll be talking about those today, too, and getting some perspective from a screenwriter and also on some upcoming Star Wars and stuff like that. But Sanj, tell people who you are from your own mouth, and let's get these people familiar with you. Sure. I um, Well, I think your your intro is very helpful. I... I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan. This right here is my favorite episode and has been since I saw the trilogy. Uh, I was age 11 when I saw the special edition trilogy in the cinema. And I like I was kind of in love with this saga ever since. And I am a, I'm a screenwriter as yet unproduced, but, uh, you know, working on my craft, um, making collab you know, meeting collaborators and just kind of hustling. That pretty much is what all of us do <laughs> in that in this industry is just hustle and collaborate. Collaboration's important. I'm glad you mm -hmm. said that. For the audio listeners, uh, he was pointing to a Return of the Jedi poster. And so that's your favorite movie from Star Wars? Yes, I would say so. Very cool. So being a Star Wars podcast, normally when I have guests on my show, 
I ask them what their Star Wars story is. Now, this can be how you got introduced, your favorite memory, your favorite movie, which you've already discussed. But what about Star Wars and what about you makes those two things mesh? So what is your Star Wars story? Uh, well, I, I okay, my Star Wars story, I would say, is I was very lucky that in 2014, I got to be an extra on The Force Awakens. And so I spent what? a day, yeah, I spent a day in Jakku, and then I spent four days at Pinewoods, no, not at Pinewood, um, on the, the Resistance base, and it was magic, you know, it was, I, I was, I, I had a, I actually, I, um, let me see if I can show you an image of, of, my my appearance but i you know i arrived with some of the other extras and this gentleman rides up to us on a bicycle and says good morning and i'm like good morning harrison ford and uh carrie oh fisher was God. there it was um and, and i was a big fan of uh you know alias and lost so seeing jj abrams in action was you know really exciting so and there was just this moment where everybody on this set was kind of we're, we're getting ready to shoot something you know you have a lot of iconic stuff and people around and there's just this moment where everybody takes a breather and i thought i just felt immense gratitude to george lucas at that moment because the livelihood and the passion and sort of aspiration of everybody there was in large part down to him like and um it's just a beautiful moment so that uh, that is my star wars story and that's incredible so how did how did you get to be a background uh in the force awakens so i i drove to pinewood studios and i asked them do you have like can i get a job on this movie and uh they, they threw sort of a few uh, like leads i found the the production name of the movie and then i found the extras agency that was doing it and i, I registered with them in hopes that I might be able to be on the film and like i think six months later they put me forward for it and i was like yes please yes please. oh my gosh i wow that's that's incredible you literally just walked in yo can i be on this movie and you you maneuvered your way through and ended up on set that's that's crazy that's really cool man i wish and that's the movie to like to be on as like an extra or anything really because that was when you talked about the everyone's passions. Well, like that was that was Star Wars returning. I'm sure every Star Wars set's great to be on, but that one was like the first in what 15 years or so. So I'm sure that was really special. I that's incredible. I'm jealous of that. That's really cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you, Anna. I'll I actually I can let me find the image. You can basically see me like briefly. You can see part of, like the lower part of my head. So I am. Uh, this guy here walking. Oh no way! <laughs> uh, that that's that so is the most cool. that you see of me. But um, so it was the a... end of the movie, correct? No, it's it's where it's like I want to say it's sort of oh that's when two thirds in where they arrive at the base before they go attack Starkiller base. So that's after Harrison picked up Ray and yeah. Finn and brought Absolutely. them to. Okay. Oh, the meeting Leia scene. That's the one you're in. Or, or uh, just after that. Um, so Leia oh, okay. picks them up and brings them back to the resistance base. And then that's, it's where Poe and, right. um, and, and Finn reunite. And he's like, keep my jacket because it looks better on you. <laughs> Speaking of that scene, uh, 
that once that scene happened, I, I make fun of it all the time. But I, I tell people, I, I have a, I have a girlfriend now. But before my girlfriend, I always used to say, I hope someone will look at me the way Poe looks at Finn putting on his jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that that's a great story. I'm so glad you shared that. I'm gonna have way more questions for you about that. But my follow up question for you again something i ask everyone on the show is what to you makes star wars iconic now this can be anything the best part about the question is there's so many different answers so for you what makes it iconic i think what's made it sort of etch itself indelibly into my heart in a way that maybe other franchises haven't that i still really like is there's that mythical element to it that really spoke to me as a kid that, and then I was George Lucas's intention, like coming of age stories. I think, um, you know, the world, the, is so imaginative and iconic and that I think other franchises have been inspired by that and managed to replicate something of that, even down to that, like secondhand universe feel. But, um, there's something about, you know, you know, Star Wars, it's not about, it's not just about winning and sometimes actually there potentially there's something more important than winning uh you have to confront your shadow and i think the the fact that the hero is kind of hobbled in that way is very powerful because it it, it does like mythology it kind of forces you to reflect about what you think being empowered is um so there's it just something really you you look at those the the eighty the way Empire Strikes Back was shot in the eighties and Dagobah, there's something so kind of primal about the imagery that it just it really I feel like it just kind of gets at your soul in a way that nothing else quite has for me. And uh and it's just yeah, I like yeah, love it. Yeah. See, that's that's why I love that question. That's that's a new answer. I've had several guests on the show. Everyone says something different. And I, I totally agree with what you said, the mythology. As you were talking, it reaffirmed my my gratitude that you came on the show. This is why I wanted you on the show. Because the way you speak, your your vocabulary, you just know how to you know how to get your thoughts across extremely clear. And I know on exactly what you're saying. On, on a, a good, good day. day. <laughs> I guess I got you on a good day. Um <laughs> But yeah, we'll we'll talk so much more about all these great things and mythos and screenwriting and all that stuff. Uh, for everyone listening, we are going to talk some news, um, but just to let you know what you can look forward to, our topics today are on screenwriting in Star Wars. Um, being both of us screenwriters ourselves, we're going to talk a little bit about that and what inspires us. And we're also going to talk about the original ideas from Michael Arndt and his thoughts on screenwriting, how to close a story. Uh, character focus and we'll talk a little bit about maybe what his episode seven could have been like and then finally today we'll end off talking about an interesting theory from Sanj that I saw on his YouTube page and it's all about episode 10 and how episode 10 could potentially fix or resolve or really put a nice bow on this series and we'll get his opinions on that as well um, but let's jump right into the news and we'll give our thoughts on this as well the first bit of news that happened a couple days ago is we got some word from Taika Waititi on his Star Wars movie. Now, we all know it was announced, I think it was last year, uh, early last year, it was announced he was going to direct. And then in November, they finally gave us some visual 
things to look at of what we can expect and the tone and the text, the Star Wars text they use for that announcement was it was very different and something I'm really looking forward to. So here's what he had to say. He was interviewed by The Wire or Wired, excuse me. And he said this, it's still in the exterior space stage, but we've got a story. I'm really excited by it because it feels very me. I tend to go down that little uh, sincerity alleyway in my films. I like to fool the viewer into thinking, ha, it's this, and then going, damn, you made me feel something. So what I take from this is, of course, any of you who are familiar with Taika's work is, it's when he says it's very me, I take it, of course, as being having a comedic charm to it, but also in those comedic moments, having heart and substance behind it. One of the greatest things I think a story or a movie can do is take you from feeling one level of emotion or one type of feeling and then switching it instantly. A good example is from uh, Scrubs, the television show, which was one of my favorites when it was airing. They know how to make you laugh and laugh and then in the next beat, they know how to make you feel really sad or empathize with characters or just go through something with them. And then after that, they can take you right back to the laughs immediately. I think that's what makes good, good writing. And we can see that in Taika's work. And I think the takeaway from this quote is, of course, Taika saying, it's very me. And I think a lot of people have been speculating this would be one of the first real genre-bending comedic Star Wars movies that we're going to get. And... I'm looking forward to it. I think he's a great director. I'm interested to see what the story is going to be about. But Sanj, do you have any thoughts on Taika Waititi making a Star Wars movie? Are you familiar with his work? And what do you take from this quote? Yeah, uh, that quote is exciting. I do love Taika's work. Uh, you know, Hunt for the Wilder People, Thor, Jojo Rabbit in particular, I really liked. I When I first heard the idea, I thought... Really, this sounds in terrible taste, but you know that that was not giving him enough credit because he's really the master of tightrope tone. You know, like he can straddle so, like you said, like different emotions and tones. He's really, really good at walking a narrow tightrope that I think, you know, is a, is a great risk to take. But for a lot of us, we might fall off it. And Jojo Rabbit, I thought that that quote really summed that movie up that it, it starts out zany and a little like you know call it silly but it really isn't afraid to delve into quite deep emotion and it really pays off uh at the end and so i i, I you know the the visual we were talking about it felt very kind of monty python the, the star wars logo yes. and that's kind yeah. of fun yeah um, so I'm really excited and you know he's co-writing it with christy wilson cairns who wrote um 1917 so I think, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll, it does, it feels like this next, the next direction of Star Wars is kind of like auteur driven. It's very, it's idiosyncratic. You know, you've got Leslie Headland doing, and I loved Russian Doll, and she's going to do the Acolyte. And I think um, we're going to see people reinvent Star Wars in a way, uh, very, very like personal takes on Star Wars. And I think that will be fun. So yeah, I, I thought that was great. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, the his writing partner choice was an interesting choice uh, because I think the past several projects, past several years, he's only uh, written solo. So, and of course, picking up someone who is, I think she won the Academy Award for 1917 or was nominated. Um, nominated. Nominated. Uh, it was an interesting choice because, uh, and then looking at her previous work, it's um, drama based. 
Um, so I think it'll be nice to balance that. I just thought it was an interesting choice. What was her name again? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy Wilson Cairns. Christy and Wilson. She is Scottish. Like, yeah. oh, there we go. Look at that. My people coming out of the 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 fields. <laughs> anyway, let us know what you guys think about Taika's quotes and about the movie, and you can put it in the comments below or let me know your thoughts on social media. The next bit is about the Sokotano series. Now, this story is it wasn't an exclusive. This was a a side a side note, an annotation, so to speak, in a bigger article. The main article was on The Hollywood Reporter, and they were speaking on a bunch of upcoming projects, mostly the What If series by Marvel. And in that article, they talked about other Disney properties that are getting pushed, and they dropped this, what I would consider to be major news, and didn't even bring any highlight to it. So what they said in this article was, let me pull up the visual here, Ahsoka Tano, the fan-favorite Jedi, appeared in animation in 2008 before Rosario Dawson made the jump to live action in The Mandalorian Season 2. And now, Dawson is leading a live-action Ahsoka spinoff for Disney+. Plus. We knew this already. But they go on and say, with sources saying that Lucasfilm is looking for an actress to star opposite of Dawson as Mandalorian warrior Sabine Wren. What? Why didn't they bring attention to this? What this is like deserves its whole own article. I mean, we all knew and speculated Sabine was coming. It makes sense considering the time period where the direction of the these TV shows are going. So we it's kind of we we expected it. But it's still exciting to get confirmation, especially from a trade like the Hollywood Reporter, who is very accurate a lot of the times and has inside sources. So I'm really excited about this. They're looking for an actress, and I know the perfect person. For any of you who have listened to me for a little bit of time, you know that I recently had a guest on my show a couple months ago, Yessi Riviera, and she was the original prototype character for Sabine Wren at Disney. So she was the one that they modeled the costume for. And she got to play the first official, I guess, live action Sabine Wren before anyone else. And she was part of the press tour, things like that. Now, she was not the voice actor for a lot of you who commented on that and said I was wrong about interviewing the wrong person. She was not the voice actress. She was the official Sabine Wren prototype. So there is a difference. If you're curious to find out more, check out that interview. It's called my interview with Yessi Riviera, Sabine Wren. But... So, Yessie, you better get on that. You better call up Disney. We know you have connections. Tell them you're ready to play Sabine. But anyway, I'm excited about this. Sanj, do you, are you familiar with Sabine? Have you watched yeah. Rebels? And what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I, I've watched most of Rebels, and I, I liked Sabine a lot. I liked her Darksaber arc. That was fantastic. So she's an exciting character to see brought to live action and to see her coupled with Ahsoka, like, um, or, you know, like, paired on screen. Um so I, I think that's very exciting. And they, I know that uh, in the same way that a lot of people felt strongly about Ashley Eckstein uh, playing Ahsoka and, you know, obviously Rosario Dawson was cast and she was fantastic. I know some people feel kind of strongly that Tia Sarkar should have been, should be cast. But, you know, I, um, I don't have a strong view, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who they choose. Yeah, that's that's the tricky part, right? Because the the voice actors for Ahsoka, for Sabine, for uh, Kanan, 
uh, they, they all did a really good job on the show. And we are, we're familiar with those voices. And seeing Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, for example, in the live action form, which I loved, it was still a little a little different for me. It, it was like it was almost like a new character. But mm-hmm. and of course, it's like that tug of war because I, I really love Ashley Eckstein and I felt bad that she wasn't even considered. But I still loved Rosario's take on it. And it was different, and it was she did an excellent job. So it's a it's a funny thing to to kind of balance that. And I'm I'm really curious as to how they're going to go forward with Sabine because it's it's a lot different. It's an actual human character rather than a humanoid like Ahsoka. So it's they're going to have to really find the right person, not just to embody that those inflections in her voice, but also her as a person because I think she's pretty unique. I mean, she's a graffiti artist. She's an ex-Mandalorian warrior, and she, she's just got so much personality to her and a very interesting story. And so I can't wait to see what comes of it as well. And the last bit of news we're going to talk about today, and if you're curious to hear more Star Wars news, you can check out our other show that dropped on Sunday here on the, on the podcast. But the last bit of news we'll talk about is some casting news from the Andor series, which we all know I am not looking forward to (laughs) but the direct can exclusively report that the actor alex lother will play a supporting role in star wars andor lother is known for his leading role in the end of the fucking world is the latest to join diego luna in the rogue one prequel i'll be honest with you i don't know who this actor is i haven't seen the movie he's in not familiar with any of his work Uh, i've seen some people express they're excited about this news they think he's a good actor um, I really have no thoughts yet. Um, I'll have to take a look and see what he's done before. Do you know who um, Alex Lauder is yourself? I didn't, but then you mentioned he was the lead in the end of the fucking world, and I watched a bit of that, and I thought he was very good. Um, so, but I, I like you. I don't have any. I, I can't. Have, I don't feel informed enough to say more than that. Uh, but is, tell is me, he, uh, is that a movie or is it a show? The it's end a of the series. World? It was a, a Netflix series. Um, it's British. So, um, but I'm curious to know your feelings about the Andor show and, and also, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it's when it was first announced that they were doing an Andor series. Well, I think first they said we're doing a Rogue One prequel series. I thought, okay, this could be interesting. Not really sure, you know, what we could explore, with that Rogue One story, I thought maybe they were going to do a Jyn or sort of story. And then they announced they were doing the Cassian Andor focus show. And personally for me, after watching Rogue One, I think he was the weakest character. And then hearing the news, I was like, really? Out of all these characters, you're going to do one on Andor. And, you know, I didn't read the novel that explores the time before the Rogue One events. But for me, the Andor character just didn't work. I love Diego Luna. I think he's fantastic. Um, but I think overall, all the characters from Rogue One didn't work for me. Uh, you know, they were all very... I don't think they were explored very well. I did like the movie overall. Um, but it, for me, it's just about... I can't see what they're going to do. I mean, I understand he was a spy for the uh, Republic or Rebellion since he was like 13, I think he said in the movie. So I can six, see, it. I think, Oh, six. Whew. So I'm, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure they have 
stories to tell. But for me, I just I can't see how they could what they could do with it. I just I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like for me, I have to know more before I can really say I'm excited about it. Like see a trailer, hear what the actual plot is, <laughs> what story they want to tell here. But are you are you excited about it? Do you have thoughts on that? I think that's fair. What you said, like we need to know more. I am I'm optimistic. Like I loved Diego Luna in Rogue One. I, I really liked that movie, and I think the character they, they did quite a lot of giving you a glimpse of who all these people were in such a compressed like really action-packed time frame and i liked i think you know when we first meet him he like you know sacrifices somebody you know and i think right that, that was like okay wow this is interesting so uh, him that that line where he's like i've been in this fight since i was six years old i am interested to see his journey i think it i you know it could be a sort of like um i don't know almost like a dickensian story in the star wars okay I think I lost. I don't you know, um, but I'm. I'm oh, okay. Um, You're back. Yeah, You're I'm good. sort of open. I'm. I feel like I'm open to it. Like I, I'm curious. Yeah, I think it was a great way of putting it. There was, uh, as far as like, totally lost what I was going to say about this show. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's one of those things I got to see more, and I think, I think it can be great. I mean, I think Tony Gilroy is show running. And I'm a big fan of his. And um, oh, I remember. So when it was first announced that they were doing the show, uh, the biggest uh, criticism for me was, I you know, as from working in the industry and knowing how you know financing goes and things like that, I was kind of like, this is what we're going to put our money towards an Andor series. Now I'm not saying I want legacy characters or things like that or or rehashes of old things, but for me it was kind of like I have other things on my mind I, I hope we get to see like of course obi-wan and maybe more backstory on mandalorians uh time before uh, phantom menace that kind of stuff and i know that if andor comes out and it's a failure which they're putting a lot of money into the show if it comes out and it's a failure that's going to affect green lighting other series that may be similar to it so that was kind of where i was i was sitting with that because we saw that happen when they were going to make the boba fett movie and there was like issues on in the development of the the script and things like that, and Josh Trank issues from previous projects, and so they canceled it. And then they did Solo. Solo's failure at the box office affected the Obi Wan Kenobi movie, mm-hmm. and they put it on hold. And then they switched it to do a series instead with a brand new script, story, new writers, directors, etc. So that's. That was a it's part of me is just kind of nervous. Like I really hope if it's bad, I'm not saying it's gonna be bad. I hope it doesn't affect other stories, other TV shows that might be coming down later on in line. But we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't really like being too critical, but that's kind of my thoughts on on that there. And that is it for the news, everybody. We're gonna actually talk about some real Star Wars now, some actually deep conversations. So Sanj talking about screenwriting and i would love to know as a screenwriter yourself what's your experience like how did you get into it and you know what's what inspires you and what does it take to tell a good story each each story is different each project's different so how do you approach screenwriting and how did that actually fall into your lap how did you get into it uh so i 
I think I've been writing stories as long as I can remember since uh, I was a kid. Uh, I think Jurassic Park made me really keen on cinematic storytelling. Like I picked up my dad's video camera for the first time and started messing around with that. But I, I yeah, so I, I really started taking it seriously uh, back in about 2013, where I um, was particularly interested in TV writing. So I read a ton of pilots and kind of really like broke them down to understand how they worked and then used that to in, like inform my own um, writing. So I wrote some pilots, I, I pitched one or two and I, I just kind of practiced at the craft, but I realized that like I, it would be beneficial for me to go to, to, to do an MFA, a writing program. And so I did that from 2018 to 2020. And uh, you know, you write quite a lot on these programs and it really kind of rewrote me as a writer as interested TV as movies now. And I was writing more ambitious things than I thought I was writing kind of historical epics uh, and, and kind of big adventure movies. So, uh, you know, since graduating, I've been rewriting. Uh, I, um, I now sort of realize I need to just go out and make stuff. Um, to answer your question about uh, what inspires me, um, I think usually like, it's it's kind of a combination. There's usually some fantastical element in what I write, or yeah, I, I think everything always has to have some level of the fantastical. I also gravitate towards stories that have an element of social justice in them, but it can be quite varied. I think I pick up inspiration from a bunch of different places, but like there is usually like a sort of element of weird fantasy to it. Um, and as far as what uh, what makes a good story? How do you tell a good story? I think, like you said, every story is different. I think the thing that unites it is, can you make us care about the characters? Like, give us a reason to care about what they want or what they want to avoid um, so that, you know, we emotionally invest us in them, in their journey. And I think the, that sense of journey, the sense of um, overcoming... You know, we we talk about like Aaron Sorkin always talks about intention and obstacle. And I think the catharsis of stories is seeing somebody overcome conflict and obstacles. The the sort of satisfaction, the aha, of being like, oh wow, like I love how you managed to do that. Um, so, I think, you know, give it yeah, in emotionally investing us, and then having conflict that feels organic, that kind of is plausible, but also cinematic and exciting. Um, what do you? What would you say? Well, I everything you everything you were saying is kind of I automatically just think of Star Wars, you know, an element of fantastical, um, or organic uh, 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 obstacles um, that you must overcome to grow. Char- characters are important. One thing I always say is when you're writing a, a story and you're writing characters for that story, you shouldn't write. Uh, story is important and then of course when you're writing the characters the characters should serve the story not the other way around where the story serves the characters where you have elements that seem almost too fitting for certain situations or i see it a lot in television television is very character focused character driven um and sometimes the story gets lost a little bit uh, which is why i gravitate more towards movies and film 
uh, because they're obviously there's the element that they're shorter experiences. So story is more important. Um, but when you can tell a really good story with a, a character that services that story, I think that's when it hits extra hard. And so how much for you did Star Wars, you know, help with your screenwriting templating or learning how to tell a story? Was it very early on or did it kind of come later? Or were there other properties that inspired it too? Uh I think, well, I think Star Wars, like, you know, really draws on Hero's Journey, Joseph Campbell. And I think that structurally, like, it's it's basically like the best example of it in a way. It's the most useful example of that kind of structure and understanding, like, where a hero starts, what they want, the the, conf- the stages of their journey and how they grow. Um, so in that sense, I think Star Wars certainly, like, is definitely an influence in terms of how I conceive of story. I think actually, you know, the prequels, I I found myself like referencing Revenge of the Sith a lot in film school. And my teacher was, he was a big Star Wars fan. He'd be like, get out, you know? Oh, um, what? Well, he jokingly, jokingly. He was, uh, he was oh, more into the original trilogy. But uh, because I, Anakin's conflict there is so interesting to me. And um, even, you know, the prequels execution not always on point but like what george was trying to do there with stories on different levels political machinations personal stuff that to me like that was very inspiring as a teenager um the level of world building in there was really inspiring yes. so yeah yeah i well I'm, I'm glad you said you referenced revenge of the sith in your in your classes i think that's great i i i love the prequels i acknowledge their flaws but I, I do think there's there's excellent mythology lore like you said world building in there that you know maybe george could have asked for some outside help on but it i really love those those movies and well we're going to talk a little bit later about uh george lucas versus disney star wars not in a negative way but just the the differences in storytelling and mythology and uh lore-based stuff like that um and of course how you approach the projects but uh, i want to ask you again on screenwriting um talking about the video you made on michael arndt's comments on 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 screenwriting on uh resolving a, a storyline and characters and things like that and you it was a very interesting video again for anyone listening on the YouTube or on the audio platform. I will link it below in the description. You can check it out and check out his website and stuff. But um, tell me about that video, how you, when you first saw like the interview with Michael Arndt, what made you want to make a video on it? And then talk about those, you know, external, internal philosophical stakes and share your opinion on that for everybody. Sure. I, I can't remember when I first watched it. I feel like, I don't know if maybe you know, script notes, podcast linked to it or social media, I found it. And I thought, okay, this is, this is really cool. It makes sense. I mean, he was, he used Star Wars, The Graduate and Little Miss Sunshine to try and explain what on an emotional level makes a really satisfying ending. And it was this idea of, of three different kinds of, uh, and, and philosophical stakes being the most important. And one of my teachers, I, I can't remember who originally said this, but like one quote is like, a story is an argument about the best way to live a life. 
And I think that's what the philosophical stakes gets at. It's like if this movie pays off a conflict that's really driven like a clash of values about life, you come away feeling like, wow, like that movie not necessarily like taught me something in an educational way, but it made me like feel this sense of discovery about like meaning in life. And um, so when I saw Rise of Skywalker, I was very disappointed. I, I have never been that disappointed by a Star Wars movie. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, and I, I just tried to think like, why, like, why didn't this work for me? And there are a million things that didn't work for me, but I realized like what I really wanted from the grand finale of Star Wars was for it to dial into this, like really synthesize the philosophical stakes of all nine movies into like, this is what about um, that Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith, um, you know, had already done that in respect of their own trilogies. Um, so, okay, so I can explain, uh, just to summarize, like Michael Arndt talks about three different, like, you know, you, you, for you to be emotionally invested in a character, something has to be at stake for them. And um, so in A New Hope, the external or like world stakes are, will um, at the ending are like, will the rebels destroy the Death Star or will the Empire uh, destroy the rebels and then like terrorize the galaxy into fear and conformity forever? For your protagonist, his like emotional stakes are, um, will he self-actualize and be something more and be a Jedi or should he just listen to his uncle and like, you know, keep his head down and, and be a moisture farmer? And then philosophical stakes are, should we buy into that idea that the force represents which is we're all connected so we should live with altruism and community or should we be like han and just take our reward and protect ourselves because you know fear is it's a galaxy of fear and you have to just look after number one and so michael aren't we using a new hope graduate little miss sunshine he says that the, the key to like a really powerful ending is the hero needs to be losing on all three of those fronts right until the last moment and then they but they still commit to their values to their philosophy in this act of faith where you know it kind of really feels like all is lost and and that's you know use the force and that's where luke turns off his targeting computer and it's where Olive goes and dances in Little Miss Sunshine. And, you know, the, their, their best friend character, Han, or, or the father in Little Miss Sunshine, deserts them just before that. And, and even then, they still hold to this, even where it's a solitary road of believing in this underdog value. And in their act of faith, that, that's, that friend comes back. You know, they've won them over. Um, and they win. And it's cathartic because you're like, there was no been held that they were going to win but you know his he his convictions won out um and so the, this is this is something michael aren't really like put forward as an idea for like if you're rewriting your movie and your ending isn't punchy enough if it isn't landing this is one lens to look at it and it's not meant to be um it's not meant to be like the one gospel of how to write a script but it's helpful and craig mazin has a similar thing where he talks about like a protagonist uh, going from being ignorant of the theme of the movie at the start to embodying it through action at the end. And that journey is what's like really satisfying. Um, this, yeah, it's, it's, I've heard uh, similar remarks from uh, we on the podcast, we interviewed Cameron Pasha, who is a, a screenwriter um, worked working at a, 
I can't remember where, but he's done tons of Hollywood television and movies and stuff like that. And he was saying very similar things to you, not, um, not verbatim, but what I'm getting it is, is mainly, um, is resolve and understanding resolve for a, a story. And it's, it's really hard for a lot of films and a lot of storytellers to get that third act, right. To get that ending, right. You know, it, it's usually the case is, uh, you know, if you're looking at a movie in thirds, it's either the first two thirds, first act, second act are really good. And the third is eh, kind of okay. Or it's, the first two parts are kind of meh, but that third act is so gripping and amazing. It's hard to balance that. And mm-hmm. I, I love this conversation about having like kind of fail a character failing on those three fronts and then uh, fixing it afterwards. And the, the example with um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine and of course Star Wars is, are great examples of that. And Michael Arndt was originally going to pen the script for the force awakens or episode seven. And he was actually picked by George Lucas. It was a very interesting choice by George Lucas. I think way back in 2011, when he made that or called him in to start writing. And one, it's interesting because George Lucas was, he, he learned I need to write with other people or I should maybe have someone help me with this, this writing process and to have come up with the story himself. And then, pass it over to Michael Arndt and have him pen it, actually. Uh, it was an interesting choice. And the other one being that Michael Arndt has done a variety of other works. Uh, Toy Story 3, I believe, and A Little Miss Sunshine and other great things like that. He's a great writer. And there's so much want out there from the fan base of what that story would have looked like. Of course, they adapted it. Characters like Ray used to be Kira and a uh, similar, very similar story for her. And Luke had a, a similar uh, outline. He was, of course, on Octu, but um, different character study there, things like that. But for you, you know, were you aware that Michael Arndt was writing Force Awakens before? Or what do you think a Michael Arndt Force Awakens could have looked like, knowing him as a writer? Yeah, yeah I mean, I remember when they announced that he writing excited loved and and the sunshine i really adored too so i was very excited when he was announced to write it um yeah as you say like we we have those teasers of, of like kira and sam and and like the jedi killer and um and then luke like was this Kurt, colonel kurtz type figure um, and maybe some of the stuff that happens in eight in in last jedi would have happened in the original seven but um it's hard to say, you know, Michael. Arndt, I, the thing he, the only thing he said is that he found it really hard to to that bring. Once you brought Luke Skywalker into the story, it overshadowed everybody else, and he really struggled with that. And of course, you know, the answer in, in Force Awakens was to just not have him in it until the end. And I mean, we we know, like in the past year, they've kind of revealed what George Lucas's sequel trilogy outline could have looked like i'm not sure quite when he came up with this but it was you know darth maul as the villain it was about building a new republic rather than us starting with one failed again um and i mean it also went into like the microbiotic midichlorian stuff uh, and i don't really know what that would have looked like but (laughs) i think thematically the idea like of, of this trilogy being about building something would have been interesting um and because you know, we had, we already had like the 
rebellion story, the rebels versus empire story. And so, um, but I don't know how much, I, I, I think Michael Lance would have had, it would have had a lot of heart. I Force Awakens had a lot of heart too. Um, so it's very hard to know. And I'm, I'm like, you know, obviously it's, it's really sad. We, you know, we learned that uh, Jonathan Rinsler passed away recently, incredibly sad. Right. Um, and I, I think he was working on a book that was kind of canceled about the making of this story. But I think knowing some of that um, background would be really interesting. And one, maybe one day we will. Yeah, it's, it was very sad when he died. And um, a couple months ago, actually, I think it was in March, maybe February, he did a live stream on YouTube and he, he actually talked about the process of that book being canceled. And uh, essentially, it was Disney didn't want people to know about what was going on behind the scenes with that movie. And a part of that could have been from how Michael Arndt was suggesting it was, it was really hard to write and bring Luke in and it not be about Luke. And that's a very interesting point of view as a writer, because it's true. I mean, it's fucking Luke Skywalker, but you were saying something that reminded me of this running theme we're talking about with, uh, especially philosophical stakes when George Lucas wanted to implement a broader understanding of midichlorians and getting into a microbiotic world and stuff like that, that could have been one of these three fronts that these characters would have to face and resolving this nine saga story as a whole. And, um, actually addressing like, what's the point of these movies? What's the point of this story? And that microbiotic world characters understanding uh, their existence and like, like what, what brings everything together? What's the, what's the point of all of this? What's the point of all these good versus evil, the force? What is this? I think it could have been very, very interesting. And if, it probably would have sucked. It could have sucked. You know, that's, that's the thing. But for me, but it, but it would that have little sucked hint, in a really interesting way, right? Yeah. It would have brought sucked. back that, that thing Liam Neeson said from, uh, Fantas, you know, the yeah. midichlorians and it, cause that was a one-off statement. It was just said and never brought back up again. Right. And it's like, George wanted to address it then, but maybe changed it cause people had issues with it, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it. And it would have been very interesting to see what, what's the point of all this, you know? And I, I think, I don't know, a George Lucas sequel trilogy, it has its, its, its good and bad expectations. I, for one, would, like you said, really love to see a book someday, a documentary about the making of this changing of the guard from George Lucas to, to Disney. What, what happened there? What was the story that was going to be told, etc.? And actually, let, let's talk about that real quick. I know it's, we had it later in our outline, but for you, difference between George Lucas Star Wars, Disney Star Wars, from a creative point of view, from a, a storytelling point of view, what are what are your thoughts on that? And of course, this could be about like uh, approaching the world building, um, bringing in themes, which I think is, is a big difference we see, and also uh, these these characters. Do you have any thoughts on the difference in the two companies? Yeah. Um... I think Frank Oz like kind of put it quite well. He, he, when he saw force awakens, he said like, it was really fun, but I, you know, what George would have done is something that had like moral depth to it. And I think that that's like George was thematically driven with these movies. 
it's but the prequels like like undeniably that is one of their really strong points and and i i feel like they enriched star wars for it um you know they even enriched the original trilogy by adding like expanding those themes and i think that a sequel trilogy by george would you know it's one of the common critiques is that they didn't plan this trilogy uh, and that you can debate that but i think whether you planned it on a plot level or not having a sense of like what is this about what is like what are we getting at with this trilogy when we've already got a six-part saga that like kind of you know is complete um what is this adding and um i think i well i don't feel like that i i can't you know i don't feel i don't know if that was like the conversation that was kind of at the forefront of the this process um i well, think kind of uh so this so, kind of leads into what um what what our main main topic here today is is that that finality uh this resolution of the story and uh, you mentioned how you were very disappointed with the rise of skywalker a lot of people were uh a lot of people were very disappointed in in how it ended and uh, of course the main critique being they didn't have a plan is um fact they didn't have a plan for these movies they didn't know where they wanted it to go and uh another one of your great videos is um that you mentioned in there was how an episode 10 could have could possibly work i they're doing an episode 10 they're going to right there's no way they're not and one thing that i think is interesting uh, was your point of view on this and also how you know i'm really curious to get elaboration from you on you know what could that 10th story be whether it's an introduction to a new trilogy or a complete bow on this this sleeping baby that is the skywalker saga um and again for everyone listening i will put a link in the description you could check out his videos his youtube page as well um tell me about your thoughts on that that video you posted and tell everyone what you think about um in episode 10 sure i so for me the idea of 10 i'm i'm probably like you know first read somebody suggested on reddit and thought hey that's a good idea so i don't think i sort of came up with it myself but i i liked the the notion that um you know people re- we remember endings like you said you know the first two acts of a movie if they're not very good if the ending is amazing you're like that's kind of what you remember and right the, the rise of skywalker had a lot of you know real world uh problems to deal with uh, especially you know losing carrie fisher and i think you know, now a 10th movie, I would say as a one-off, as a sort of Toy Story 4 type sequel, where, you know, even though Toy Story 3 was the perfect ending, 4 really kind of added something beautiful that I, I it was like a coda. And I thought, wow, like, you've really... That's a great, great example. Mm-hmm. That's a um, great example. And so, I mean, um, the, like I feel like thematically what these movies have been built, if you look at the ending of each trilogy, the first two, you know, it's about a Skywalker, usually, you know, the Skywalker men and the the torn between the Jedi and the philosophy. One is uh, the, 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 the antagonist, Sidious, springs this trap for, or sets this trap for them, which is in order to save yourself or the people you love, you, you have to kill me. But you ha- in order, I'm so powerful. The only way you can kill me is by turning to the dark side. And if you do that, you become the Sith. I win. And, you know, Anakin falls for that. Luke, uh, he pulls back from it. And 
you know, even though he's going to die, he's like, no, I, 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 like, there is more than just winning. Like, I have to kind of hold on to this, the Jedi way. Like, and I think, you know, Nine didn't really build on that. It just, it felt like it kind of just repeated it. And it was like, oh, you win by using, you know, two lightsabers to reflect lightning. Um, and I think there was a missed opportunity there um, to, like, what is it about that victory that makes it final? That means we're not just going to have somehow Palpatine returned again and, like, the next hero is going to do the same thing. There, there needed to be an, a different answer. So it was, like, is it a choice between either you turn to the dark side or you basically die and hope that your father saves you? Like, or, you, you know, you throw down your weapon and hope your dad saves you. What do you do if neither of those is as an option? And I think, you know, Duel of the Fates, the, the Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly um, re, like, draft that was kind of leaked last year, that tried to synthesize the trilogies. It tried to, um, I mean, it kind of went for that Grey Jedi idea, which is not what George Lucas probably would have intended um, and is kind of controversial. But I think, sorry, I know I'm going kind of roundabout way here, but... No, no, please, I please thought, keep going. Um, I thought that an episode 10 would, um, it could take a step back and be like, okay, what, like we can now do a story that really kind of synthesizes the three trilogies. Um, and I, there are elements from Jewel of the Fates that I thought could be brought into that. I also, I mean, you liked the the Lego holiday special, right? And like, you know, one of the things that was really nice, of it, I, I enjoyed it too. One of the things that was nice is that you got to see Ray and Finn as like Jedi you know, training each other. And you're like, wow, that's cool. Like, I would love to see that for real. Um, so I have this, I, you know, taking some of George's ideas about um, not another empire, but in in the aftermath of that, how do you build something? You know, have, have like anarchy. There's no new republic. Um, have pirates and, and gangsters as bad guys. And um, I, I would sort of bring back Darth Plagueis and yes yes please yeah because it's like it was it's, it's been we've been dying for him to be in it right like it's just screaming since revenge of the sith for him to be there and um i i think the question the philosophical stakes would be like what is like what is the light side version of strength because we know like ben solo turned to the dark side because he felt weak and you know that's his idea of strength and we see him like you know take that all the way in Duel of the Fates. Rise of Skywalker, you know, didn't want to go that far. But what what is the light side answer to that? Um, and I think it, it's something in there about, like, you know, Rey, Rey as a character was really beautifully set up for, you know, she had abandonment issues. And I think for her, belonging was kind of important. And I think if she had, if her fear is like ceasing to exist for everybody around her, then and she but she has to embody like selflessness as a jedi then that's you know it's kind of the perfect conflict for those two to have in a finale i just i i would i bring back ben solo as a goodie you remember like in um did you read the new jedi order books back in the day the the one no. about the yuzhan Vong. well like jason solo had this kind of arc where he goes on this weird journey and i and there, i feel like that could sort of be repurposed a little bit here um but I think a one-off story that that takes you back to Coruscant. You know, I loved the idea of a final battle on Coruscant. Um, I thought Trevorrow yeah. and Connolly's thing was was fantastic. Um, 
one that kind of just the, the last movie just kind of ended you don't it's going afterwards and it i think a story that's like this is what everything has been for where this is what we're going to build now um would be really nice i also love the You're... idea of force ghost hayden coming back uh you know oh yes yes yeah. You're, you're, well, you're, you're right. I, after watching Rise of Skywalker, I was like, I have no idea where this movie is going. I have no idea where the story is going. Well, I don't know what. I don't. I don't need an. I don't need a ten, but I wanted to at least know the characters are in good hands, or uh, I know that maybe Ray's going to start a school or something. But we don't know anything, you know. And I felt the same exact way at the end of the Last Jedi too. Uh, that movie ended, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what their plan is. I don't know what's going to happen. And as far as like ending endings go this could have been for an episode nine but this could also be implemented into an episode 10 i think what a great way to, to explore finalizing everything is to bring back the idea of the prophecy i'm not saying do it like an origin type thing but like addressing who wrote these prophecies where did these prophecies come from like what what started this and then that could address all the movies it'd be it could be something really quick too you know like exploring uh if you watch the episode of rebels where there's this big creature named bendu have you did you get did you make it that far so he's just like he is almost kind of like a gray you know he's not light not dark he's just in the middle he is one with the universe and a character like that talking to the main characters or to the audience and addressing like this the prophecy came from from this an an all seeing uh, timekeeper or something like that uh, someone who maybe created the universe maybe that microbiotic system that George was going to do I don't really know how to how to do it but I think that would have been a cool way to kind of bring finality and closure to it is addressing those prophecies that were mentioned in the original trilogy and in the prequel trilogy. I don't think they mentioned prophecies in the sequels uh, as far as no. like, the new characters. No, but... I think, yeah, you're, I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, the prophecy being about balance of the force that like kind of Duel of the fates really talks about balance. It like, you know, there's that word is mentioned a lot. And I think it's always been debated what that is. Uh, um, I know for George, it's like, um, the dark side is imbalance in a way, um, and but like a movie, I, I think address like fic- resolving that question and like what did Anakin do that kind of got us there? What did the last three movies kind of add to that? Um, that, that that's a really good idea for how to tie everything together. Yeah, and like the whole the, the idea of balance itself, balance of the force is very unique in the perspective. In the prequel movies, it was. Um, implied that the Jedi, the Republic, the Council was aware of the the prophecy and perceived balance of the Force as being all light. But there's new, um, not new, there's another perspective from the Sith, specifically Darth Sidious and Darth Plagueis, that perceived the prophecy as being uh, dark side and that specifically Anakin Skywalker was conceived by the dark side and that the Sith created this prophecy so that they could get full control over the galaxy. So it's like 
it's a prophecy that Yoda himself said maybe misinterpreted could have be, you know, it's, it's an interesting idea to explore. And I think the, the idea of, I totally lost my train of thought, but you know, like you said, different perspectives on the, and there was, we recently uh, talked about it on the show. I did an episode for anyone who wants to check it out called star Wars, taking a more dark side uh, focus on future projects. And in that, we discussed a new book that came out that Darth Sidious talked about balance of the force being dark side ruling over light. And then there's the argument that balance is always good, always bad. So there's like, there's the gray point of view. There's good, there's bad, all that kind of stuff. So very interesting point uh, from you. Were you going to say something on that? What's that book? I'm not aware of that, but that sounds cool. It's a new book called, I think it's called Secrets of the Sith. Let me double check. Oh, okay. And it was recently on StarWars.com. Yes, Star Wars Secrets of the Sith. It is written by Mark Sumerick. I think it is out now, actually. If not, the section I was talking about is available for free on StarWars.com. But yeah, you'll have to check that out. Cool. Um, so uh, before we uh, wrap up again, uh, the last thing I was going to ask you was, um, you know, kind of tell me more about Duel of the Fates, uh, since I myself haven't read it. I'm sure some of our listeners haven't as well. But what what about that, aside from the examples you already gave, made it um, resolve all, all nine of the movies a little better? And uh, what what exactly in that script worked for you? And how do you think it could have worked overall? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, in a nutshell, the story is that um, the First Order has taken over Coruscant um, and Rey uh, is... There's this great opening at like the Kuat shipyards where um, Poe, Rose, BB-8, and Finn kind of infiltrate this to steal a... Sto- uh, they want to steal a Star Destroyer. And you have this like sand person following them and then like there's this great reveal where the tuscan like just takes off their robes and wields a double-bladed lightsaber that is half anakin's and half something else and this is ray and you you have all these people going jedi jedi and it's like and and they said who is that uh the the first order people say who is that and somebody says the last jedi and it's just very that's like like a fucking moment for star wars like that's a great payoff um, and I think it took place. I think it was five years after Last Jedi, maybe. Um, and so, uh, the, the external plot is building up to a battle over Coruscant. Um, Kylo Ren kind of goes. He goes searching for like the power to drain life. Um, which I remember, if you remember, like the Dark Forces Jedi Knight games, you could use that to like siphon. Oh, right. Uh, and he he gets it from like this weird creature who is supposedly Plagueis's master. And he goes to Mortis, um, and he's kind of disconnected from every everybody else in the story. That's you know there is none of that interaction with Hux that I think worked very well. Um, but Ray pursues him to Mortis, and then confronts him. She's also got a romance with Poe, which I think you know the ending of Last Jedi. Colin Trevorrow asked Ryan Johnson to like have them meet, and there's that that bit where she's oh, like i'm ray okay. yeah she's like i'm ray and he's like i know and there's a i don't know there's meant to be an element of chemistry there 
has there is about personal attachment and being a Jedi. And like Leia gives her this great talk about, you know, um, all my life I heard this word balance and these were rules made by men, like old men a thousand years ago. Like, um, so that it's, she's, her, her kind of trajectory, like her arc by the end of the movie is that she's like, she says, I'm not, I will embrace, our masters were wrong. I will embrace the dark and the light. And she, um, she, I think she like cuts Kylo's hands off, hand off, and he like blinds her. And then instead of all the Jedi kind of coming to her aid, um, just the, her sort of ragtag family around the galaxy, you have this moment where it cuts to Finn, Poe, Leia, and all of them. And they're kind of the ones cheering her on, which, you know, in a sort of strict force way, I'm not sure how that works, but emotionally it kind of works a bit more because those yeah. people mean a lot to her and um she kylo ren kind of drains her life force and she's healing her she gives her hand out to him and says ben you know and then fine there's this line in the stage direction where he's like kylo feels the thing that destroyed anakin but it doesn't make him feel weak um and then he gives her his life force and dies now there's a lot of problems with that like um b- b- you know firstly if it's this easy for Ray to be like, I'm going to use dark and light, it just makes everybody else look a bit sort of stupid in the past. Right. It has to be yeah. a bit harder. Otherwise, you know, Anakin or Luke could have dabbled in the dark. Um, but but th- th- at least it's trying to kind of like, it is trying to have that argument. And I think it 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 looked at Ray and it gave her an art where she's like, this is somebody who has, you know, her, has always has been abandoned never belonged fears not existing being nothing like he's you know kylo says to like you're nothing and she like her her she right until the end she embodies i, I think there was something to that there was something quite powerful like it just felt like it was trying to do philosophical stakes um well you know what sounds interesting about this duel of fate script is uh you mentioned the the life force draining energy item that Kylo's hunting down that would have been a great thing to implement into in a finale is the idea of um sustaining life because that was a common theme in the prequels and in the original trilogy the mm-hmm. goal of the sith really is to figure out how to live forever to dominate forever and of course um it's not clear if Palpatine really fig- figured it out uh, early in like the prequel days and original trilogy, but they tried to do that with nine by bringing him back. People said bringing Palpatine back is a mistake that that was one of the problems with nine, but it can work. I think it could work, especially if you bring in that theme of uh, wanting to uh, sustain life. Cause that could also loop back to the meaning of life with the midichlorians balance of the force and discovering is, is the meaning of, of life to, to create it to to try and live forever or is it to learn when your time is your time and then move on and have like a successor and things like that so interesting perspective i think i think i think i think we can do a 10 and i think we can implement all of these things in it and i think it could be a great story but i'll have to read duel of the fates because it sounds like there's a lot of really good stuff in there there is there are some moments where you're like wow that is a beautiful payoff to some like there's i mean there's actually like kind of heartbreaking moment um well should i say or i i, I, I won't say no that. yeah go ahead please uh, okay but basically you know like like you know the romance the the raised conflict about like do i 
give into my feelings with Poe or do I not? She Jedi mind tricks him to leave her. Like he wants to come with her and she Jedi mind tricks him to go because she doesn't want to, you know, and it, oh. and it's, it's, that's a beautiful moment. Um, yeah. I was thinking, you know, about the macrobiotic stuff. There is, there's room, you know, because Plagueis was messing around with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, in that really good James Lucino book, but also oh, yes. there's, um, yeah, that's such a great book. But there's also like that story, the Tenebrous way about Darth Tenebrous trying to, like, he's literally like, there's, there's like midi chlorians, maxi chlorians, mini chlorians. But the idea is that they are manipulating life. And I think maybe, you know, you talked very well about what, Lucas's sequel trilogy could have done thematically with that, and I think it really could have brought back Plagueis and tapped into that, like creating life. And as you say, like, what is the point of life? Is it to basically hoard it for yourself, or is it to recognize that you're just part of this larger ecosystem? You give into the will of the Force. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know what, Sanj, me and you, we're gonna write Episode Ten. We're gonna pitch it to Disney. <laughs> All right, and it's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna get a. A fundraiser going on Han Talks first, and we're going to get it going. I took up a lot of your time today, but I really enjoyed no, it's been a listening real to... Well, I'm glad. I, I'm glad we got to talk Star Wars. Uh, listening to you talk on your perspective, I'm just totally you know, in, engulfed in it. Uh, I find it fascinating just listening to you talk about it. So thanks for sharing your opinions. One question, one last question before I tell you to tell people where they can find you. Are you a Jedi or are you a Sith? Ah, uh, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna have to say Jedi because it's like it's the harder path. <laughs> you said that like you were so disappointed in your right, job. right. <laughs> it's like I would. I do love. There's something romantic about being a Sith, you know, especially if you do it for love. Um, and there's the Force powers are cool, but I think you know, like George Lucas, you know, he talks about like he's his great graduation speech, and he talks about pleasure versus joy, and he says like, you know. Pleasure is, I know pleasure what you're talking is about. That's a great, yeah, great and, and, uh, interview or talk. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, great, but but it's selfish. And joy, it, it's not as big, but it lasts longer. And and it's like the Jedi. I, I I've been reading a lot of Stoic philosophy, especially over the last year, and it's kind of similar to Jedi thoughts. But this idea that like, um, you take your satisfaction from knowing that you have acted in the right way, rather than being attached to outcomes. I think there's there's something very good about that. I think I would probably say be a Qui Gon type Jedi, you know, don't be dogmatic, um, yeah. you know, be a bit of a maverick, but also you know, uh, buy into the living force, recognize the validity of your feelings, but don't get consumed by them. But also don't you know suppress them, um, and have a very green good. lightsaber. Yeah, I, and a green lightsaber. There you go. <laughs> I just I I'm glad you mentioned that that speech that George gave, because I think it's one of the best he's ever given, especially like the difference between pleasure and joy. Pleasure is always short term, but joy is long term. And like the dark side versus light, selfish versus selfless or selfless. It's uh, I will try and find that interview for the audio listeners and link it below as well. Uh, interview uh, speech he gave. It's fantastic. George Lucas really understands humans. It's I guess it comes from his uh, anthropology background, but it's mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's always got great things to say. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Sanj, where can people find you online? Uh, talk about where they can find your YouTube and any projects you want to share. Um, go ahead. Sure. Um, so I'm on Twitter at 
uh, Inclusive Magic and my channel uh, you can find at inclusivemagic.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Sanjivio, uh, but uh, projects-wise, I will be doing some more videos. I want to kind of dive into some of the Joseph Campbell stuff uh, for some, yeah, that'd some be of great. my next videos. So I'm hoping to do that sometime soon, and um, I will be making some short films, so I'm sure they will be knocking around too. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, you'll have to keep me posted. I, I love short films especially like small independent stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm actually working on my own right now. We just started our, our, um, our festival campaign a couple weeks ago. So uh, I would love to, for you to keep me posted on that and share what, what's going on with you. And, but actually, yes, and likewise. Yeah. I will, and I hope we can talk again because I really enjoyed talking to you. Maybe we can have you on live, on a live show sometime where people can ask you questions and interact in real time. I would and, love that. Oh, good, good. Well, guys, that's that's it for Sanj. Again, Sanj, thank you so much um, for being here. All your links are in the description if anyone wants to check them out. Um, thank you for being on Han Talks first, and hopefully we will see you very soon. Thank you very much, Han, for having me, and it's been a real pleasure. See you soon. May the force be with you. And that's Andrew. it for the show today, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching on the video platform if you are. Uh, we will be back next week with more Star Wars discussions, with more guests, more fun things to talk about. Feel free to go over to the YouTube or the audio and listen to my Bad Batch review of the overall show. And we have some great topics coming up later down the pipe as well. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, listen or follow on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher if you're listening on the audio platform. And again, now my friends, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.